I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. We begin the broadcast today with an update on Hurricane Ian, which is looking very, very bad. But this has not stopped Democrats, in particular one with presidential ambitions, from politicizing the storm that will almost certainly devastate lives. Then we get into all the mysteries surrounding the leak. Okay, let's be honest. Seems like explosions at two Baltic Sea pipelines yesterday. Who's behind them? Why did they happen? What does it mean? Where do we go from here? We explore all of the possibilities. Next, we get into some crucial election updates. There's evidence of inflation that's changing many lives of Americans. Shocking inner city crime details. A major move by the CDC with regards to COVID-19 that will make many of your lives a little bit easier and so much more in the opening of the broadcast. Our guest today is Joe Concha, who many of you know from Fox News. He also writes for The Hill, and he's got a book out on Joe Biden with a right of center audience in mind, which is the first of the Biden presidency. Of course, we'll get uh, more after that, but the first out of the gates, Joe, and it's called Come On Man, which is a fun title, and it's a fun hang with Joe. He's good to chat with on the radio, pro broadcaster, and I guarantee you, you will enjoy the interview. Let's get into We'll begin with a quick update on Hurricane Ian. I'm sure there's a handful of you who are unable to listen to the show, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm talking to you, those of you who are not listening. That's not true. That's impossible to do that. Um, but it's made landfall in Cuba, and the scenes are not good. Uh, we are seeing a hurricane-level storm, winds of 125 miles an hour, Category 4 storm, which is... Uh, a, a it means you can see winds up to 156 miles an hour, and we could be seeing some significant devastation. A lot of evacuations, airports, schools shut down, a lot of people boarding up and uh, getting ready to go for this as it heads towards Florida. They've deployed the National Guard, and the preparations are in the final stretches here. And the computer models are suggesting that it could uh, make landfall perhaps even as a Category 4, which would be incredibly high and uh, relatively rare, making it one of the biggest storms perhaps ever of all time. So uh, some Florida cities are perhaps going to see double-digit rainfall, and we're obviously seeing a ton of rain. Right now we're seeing winds at 91 miles an hour in some parts of uh, Florida right now, Key West area, huge gusts coming in. But uh, because Florida knows this stuff, there is also uh, a lot of preparation they're taking place. Seem to be pretty impressive. A lot of uh, meal packing and organization taking place. NASCAR venue is opened up as a uh, campground, Talladega, one of the most iconic venues. Lots of power outages in Florida. Nationwide blackout reported in Cuba. And I'm told that is hurricane related. It's not just the communists couldn't keep the lights on. It what did have to do with the hurricane, which is good because they could have that anyway there. Um, Texas has deployed their search and rescue team over to Florida. A, a really crazy one where an entire plane has been flipped over. So we've got uh, DeSantis has sent 5,000 Florida guardsmen. There were some scenes of lots of linemen. Is it linemen or linemen? And it's linemen. That's what it is. Linemen are ready to go help with uh, power lines. 
So it's um, going to be interesting to see how this goes because this does seem like these things fade so often. This one does not seem to be fading. It seems like it's going to be making a direct impact with Florida, probably at hurricane strength, perhaps even as high as Category 4. And then it will, uh, looking at some of the computer models, it could go all the way up um, Florida and then along the eastern seaboard for a while. That's a potential that we're seeing. And then there are other uh, models where it kind of goes out to sea and then comes back and makes pretty solid contact with South Carolina. Some other models it hangs right and then pushes through North Carolina and into Virginia. There's even one model that sees a hurricane go up even uh, up to Pennsylvania, Delaware area. Of course, it'll have dissipated to some degree at that point, so it could be pretty bad. So again, I would recommend you go over to Brightport.com. We'll give you all the latest that we can. Georgia is declared a state of emergency. And um, we will see what sort of response we're going to get from everyone. It'll be a big moment for Governor DeSantis, needless to say. I think it'll be a pretty decently big moment for Biden, who I, uh, the... <laughs> Uh, I I um I, I know they were trying to connect on the phone yesterday, and then I heard they were able to connect on the phone. That must have been a surreal phone call to be on if that took place. Uh, especially considering that Joe Biden has declared that vaccination is part of a vital part of hurricane prep. That's correct. Democrats were very quick to politicize this. Those of you who went over to Breitbart.com yesterday, you know this, that they uh, immediately started to politicize this even before the hurricane has made landfall. Amy Klobuchar implied that Democrats could prevent these hurricanes. She's gonna be, she would like to be president. In her mind, she already is president. And uh, Ted Cruz's new best friend, I should note this, the JCPA going on. Cruz cutting deals with Klobuchar to make my life more difficult. Because, hey, it's a bipartisan, bipartisanship. But uh, she was out there saying that Democrats can stop hurricanes, essentially. So because uh, green policies could do this. And this is why the Democrats need to win the midterm so they can fight climate change. As if this would this will be the first hurricane that's taken place in Florida. It's amazing because they seem pretty uh, coached up on how to prepare for these things. For people who've never had a hurricane before because climate change has just brought them about recently being facetious, needless to say. So uh, the Biden administration claims a vital part of hurricane prep. 25,000 linemen ready for power outages. That was a headline I was looking for earlier. So uh, a lot of prayers for you out in Florida and uh, prayers for the country also. If the Democrats are politicizing it before making landfall. Uh, it'll be such a bad luck if things go, go, go pretty badly um, here. Democrats could stop these things. Their magical green powers. All right, so that's the big one. And uh, those of you who have anything to report on that, if you're in the storm and you want to chip in some information, anything that's helpful, I'm all ears, 100%. Consider 866-95-PATRIOT-A-HOTLINE if you'd like to report on anything important. And um, feel free to convey it to the call screeners, even if you don't have enough time to hang out and wait to get brought onto the show. All right, so I will go to the next big thing, and this is the lead story right now, Breitbart News, and is one that uh, watching this and people theorize about this throughout the day was pretty unbelievable. But uh, the lead headline of Breitbart News right now as we're having this conversation is, Who Done It? Nord Stream Leak Mystery. 
So yesterday, those of you who are online might have noticed that there were a couple of explosions, two pipelines. We don't know if it's explosions per se. I mean, it's hard to know. But two pipelines had leaks in the Baltics. And sabotage is seen as likely here. And one of them was the Nord Stream pipeline. And this carries gas from Russia to Germany. And this pipeline is filled with natural gas. Uh, and the fact that this leak took place suggests a few things. First of all, we know that this is a huge power source in the figurative sense for Russia, that they are providing so much natural gas places like Germany are dependent on them. If you had noticed, Russia's kind of on the ropes. They're in a much longer, more difficult war than they thought they would be in with Ukraine. And that this is a big source of their power. And so the fact that this, uh, this pipeline had been shut down, but it was still filled with methane. And now there's an immeasurable environmental impact, is what John Hayward, how he phrased it for us at Breitbart News, due to this explosion that's taken place. So a huge natural disaster, devastating the environment. It's really an unnatural disaster. But uh, this is a huge pollution event. You could bet it's devastating to any marine life in the area. And perhaps more interestingly, humans are going to suffer downstream because it's just more evidence there's going to be no gas this winter from this pipeline to Germany and other parts of Europe as well. And there is a chance that this was terrorism. There's a chance that this was sabotage, as in the Russians doing it to themselves. And there's a chance this is, of course, an accident. Now, the accident scenario seems to be the least likely because it seems like there are multiple... Uh, what appear to be explosions that were detected with a lot of high-tech radar equipment, some of it ours. And there's another blast at an additional Baltic pipeline. So that kind of does make it seem like that there's, there's something going on in the Baltics. And it was the, the exact day that a new pipeline um, opened up that was going to be bringing natural gas from the other direction I think it was from Norway specifically, to across the Baltics to Poland. Suspicious. Pretty suspicious that this is going on. Now, who would be responsible for this? So the working theories online are, first of all, Russia, that they had somehow blown up their own pipeline. And not the new rival pipeline that was out there. The, Bal the Baltic pipe, as it's called. From Norway to Poland through Denmark and then through the Baltics and down into Poland. But they blew up their own pipeline. Now, why would they do that? Interesting. I'm not saying that there's not some sort of uh, 4D underwater chest, literally speaking, that was taking place, but that was one of the possible theories. Another possible theory, and this is the one that I would say definitely got the most discussion online yesterday, that it was actually done by Joe Biden and the, and the United States of America. Now, would the United States of America commit an act of terrorism against a major energy source and funding source from the other leading nuclear power on the planet? Now, you would like to think not. You would like to think not. However, however, there's this little thing that in February of this year, Joe Biden had said that if Russia invades Ukraine, there will no longer be a Nord Stream 2. We will bring it to an end. 
And the reporter had asked him, how do you do that exactly since the project is in Germany's control? And Biden said, I promise you, we will be able to do that. So Biden basically said I was going to blow it up. And then Victoria Newland, who's the undersecretary of state, uh, she had said if Russia invades Ukraine one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. She said that a week or two earlier. So basically the Biden administration said we're going to blow this thing up. So seems a little risky and seems environmentally incredibly devastating for all of you green people out there. But that's exactly what the Biden administration said and then this happened. Now, and I'll be crystal clear here for the Soros-funded freaks here who monitor the show. Do I believe that Joe Biden committed an act of terrorism against Russia and blew up their pipeline, creating environmental devastation and perhaps putting us on the brink of a nuclear conflict with Russia? My official response is no, I do not believe Joe Biden did that. Okay, be crystal clear on that. I will tell you, kind of wild, that he said he was going to do it, basically, and then it happened, though. This happened. So, CIA had warned Germany weeks ago, according to Der Spiegel, of coming attacks on natural gas pipelines. This was in um, a report in Der Spiegel. CIA warned federal government against attacks on Baltic Sea pipelines. Why would Russia want to do this? That I don't know. Ukraine had expressed that they actually would have had some sort of an interest in this article in in Der Spiegel. From Ukraine's point of view, the permanent interruption of gas pipelines from Russia to Germany would be a possible interest in the room, was how they phrased it. But then also in the Spiegel article, they contradict uh, that point and said it would be an immense political disadvantage that that could arise from an attack. So maybe too risky, but certainly... Uh, Ukraine suggested that it is um, a uh, the, 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 certainly it is it could benefit them uh, to some degree. A lot of people are sharing a tweet from a guy named Radek Sikorsky, member of European Parliament, who's married to Ann Applebaum, who I've written about quite a bit lately, one of the top hoaxers on behalf of the Biden regime who writes for the Atlantic and other places uh, and does the bidding of Biden the establishment. Thank you, USA, with images of the explosion, which is an amazing tweet, even if tongue-in-cheek, because, I'm not saying it's not tongue-in-cheek, but it's an amazing tweet considering that he uh, th- th- he's showing a photo of it with, at a minimum is environmentally devastating and is more evidence that uh, people in Germany and elsewhere are going to have a lot of harder time staying warm this winter. So in the meantime, while this is going on, Biden, of course, is telling people to get vaccinated to prepare for the hurricane. Because hurricanes, you know, they tend to carry a lot of COVID-19. SARS-CoV-2. Poland's president and the prime minister of Poland and Denmark inaugurated this new Baltic pipeline at the very moment this is taking place. So Norwegian gas being brought to Poland every year. In the meantime, the Nord Stream is getting canceled by what appears to be some sort of a attack. Now, I have a, a very open-minded to hearing your takes on this. This is a pretty complex one, and one I was definitely, I, mean, I definitely have no idea where this one is going to go, I have to admit. 
because you're seeing the evidence suggests that it's the U.S. that did this. Now, can I actually picture that? No, that sounds insane to me. It does. It sounds insane to me that a, 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 a arguably an act of war against a nuclear power, and especially one where we actually telegraphed it so much, it's kind of hard to believe. And you can bet that this is what's being discussed in a lot of uh, foreign media this morning. All right. So if you have a thought, 866-95-PATRIOT. But that is uh, certainly the most fascinating story of the day and one we will be keeping a very close eye on on Breitbart News. And so uh, the top two. Okay. Other things that are going on that are worthwhile. And uh, there's quite a bit. A Senate has, va- has advanced a stopgap spending bill, and it's got $12 billion for it that is going to Ukraine. Uh, there's also $3 billion for Afghans because Biden likes to resettle Afghans after his botched Afghanistan pullout. But we are now up to, I think, $67 billion for Ukraine. So I think I read a report that I think that's all Russia has spent on this war on themselves. I can't be right. Uh, any ombudsman in the audience who want to help me out, I'm curious if that one's true. But I will never stop sending money to Ukraine at this point. And it's interesting if we also did the bidding of Ukraine by with this uh, with whatever happened to this pipeline. Which again, my official position is that is not what happened. But I'm curious to see, especially considering the statements by Newland and Biden. So uh, the other one that a lot of people keep an eye on online or a man is a uh, man who allegedly shot an 84 year old pro-life act, uh, activist that I discussed yesterday. He basically confessed to it. He said it was an act, an accident. A Michigan man shot an 84-year-old woman, pro-life activist, after a heated discussion. And he shot her by accident, he claims. We reported on Monday, Breitbart and I reported yesterday in the show, Right to Life Michigan uh, had reported that their, uh, one of their pro-life activists had been shot following an argument. It's just interesting when we're seeing this climate of violence is taking place where so many people are being called extremists. It is, I think it was the folks over at Grabian, which is a news clipping service, look into it. And the word extremist has been used thousands and thousands of times on, on, on CNN, MSNBC this year. They're trying to portray it as anyone who doesn't think you should have an unlimited right to abort children uh, is an extremist. That's now an extremist position. They've been doing this for a long time. I see, I've got a crystal ball in this because they tried all these narratives on Breitbart. And I know myself, I know my company, and they're filled with normal people with normal viewpoints. And uh, they're all uh, talked about like we're all right-wing radicals, and we're not. We have very normative views. In fact, sometimes I, I frustrate you guys. So you want to be more hardcore. You want to be more extremist. But it's the, this idea that normal Americans are uh, somehow just because you don't want unlimited abortion rights that you are somehow an extremist, which is how the world is portrayed, the right of center world in this country, the MAGAs, people who support the MAGA movement, that Biden has talked about so much, that we're going to, you know, the civil war is being discussed in MSNBC so often. And now we're to believe that this shooting was an accident. Okay. We will see. But the man identified as 74-year-old Richard Harvey told reporters that the gunshot occurred 
the uh, after the woman had been arguing with his wife, Paul Bois writes for the Breitbart News. Sounds pretty far fetched. Um, in the meantime, let's see what Merrick Garland's up to. 22 lawmakers have demanded Garland explain the FBI SWAT raid and the Catholic pro-life activist Mark Houck. This story was another one I mentioned yesterday. It was just massive online. Houck is the pro-life activist who was in front of his screaming children who was allegedly swatted with 25 to 30 fully armed agents. And uh, this is one where uh, uh, the, the... Authorities came out and denied the report that this was a SWAT team. But we looked at the language of it. And I mentioned the denial yesterday in the show, but it, we looked at the language of it and it was very trickily worded. Worded like, like, like a trick, as in trick or treat. To suggest that maybe it was exactly what the man had reported. And it was just on a technicality that maybe it wasn't a SWAT team, maybe it was a different type of team. So the FBI denial that 25 to 30 fully armed agents came to apprehend a family man who uh, is, uh, doesn't like abortions and likes God because he is a nuisance to the values of the FBI and the DOJ, apparently. Found the King's Men, a group dedicated to helping men become better husbands, fathers, leaders, and drop porn addiction. So it looks like the media might have been lying to, or the, the uh, deep state might have been lying to us about what happened. So it might be exactly what meets the eye, which is dozens of agents being sicked on a normal guy trying to do good things for his community because those are things that the institutional left doesn't like at this point. And these are the priorities now for left-wing deep state America. It is noteworthy because we had a story at Breitbart News on how there were 750 shootings in Philadelphia in the summer of 2022. Recall that Philadelphia had those surreal scenes over the weekend at the Wawa store where a hundred teens ransacked the joint. And in the meantime, the Philadelphia's mayor, a guy named Jim Kenney, he's a Democrat, by the way, signed an executive order yesterday banning the carrying of guns even by concealed permit holders in city parks and recreational areas. I could not believe that I went over during the show, the Philadelphia Inquirer, the biggest paper, and their website did not have any coverage of the Wawa story on the front page. This is what the mayor's up to. This is the problem with single party towns, is that they can just be in denial of news that they don't want to be true because it is not helpful to their narratives. And when the media supports them and the education establishment supports them and the entertainment celebrity class doesn't raise awareness about these issues, and it's really only national conservative media that is putting a stink up about this in talk radio to a degree, of course. Then these people can uh, just act like the problems that are really facing most people. Open border, immigration, illegal immigration, Bidenflation, the things that are really affecting American lives. It is inner city crime the downstream effects of illegal immigration and the Biden inflation, the biggest stories, these things are just not discussed in the establishment media. They're not talking about these things. All right. The unbelievable candidacy, speaking of Pennsylvania, of John Fetterman, I'm even more obsessed with it than ever. It was unearthed that the 
the the residence uh, that uh, it was unearthed that he had, was misspelling intentionally, apparently, the city Braddock, Pennsylvania, to use the spelling that the Crips gang uses there in order to, I guess, appeal to younger people. Braddock, which is typically spelled C-K at the end, he would spell it with C-C, which was apparently a nod to the Crip gang. And he did this about 15 years or so ago, he would do this. But this is just a really disturbed individual. And Dr. Oz has caught him in a couple of polls now, which is a good thing. But it is amazing that he is on the brink of going to the Senate because Dr. Oz is not a particularly strong candidate. But again, and I've complained very deeply about Oz, but it's a Oz might be the second worst candidate in the in the country. I, I for all for all I, I know, but John Fetterman is definitely the worst at this point. He has no idea where he is, and he was confusing on the NFL teams over the weekend. And the more we know about him, he's got these kooky ideas like a nod, giving a nod to the Crips gang, like a positive nod. That's probably his version of you know being a man of the people, even though he lived off his parents into his 40s. And he chased a black guy down the street with a gun. And he has a degree from Harvard. So I am pretty bearish right now. I'm sorry, bullish. Let's get this. Let's get this backwards. I'm very bullish right now on the red wave still. Democrat groups are panic spending millions of dollars in Colorado and Washington Senate races. Uh, this is the, I think it's sort of fake news. The red wave is gone. I think the red wave is happening as of now. Because I think this is spending money in races that should be locks for them. Washington in particular should be a lock. We've been reporting in Breitbart that those races are very close. Um, and in... Colorado, which is a, another race where Michael Bennett, who thinks he's going to be president, is lagging behind where he should be. And he's another guy who I think was thought of as a lock seat, and he's in a dogfight with a guy named Joe O'Day out there. So the, the Republicans are just eyeing a lot of flip seats that I don't think the media is talking about because I think they're downplaying it to a degree. I think blue areas are struggling a lot more than uh, the media's let on. I think the people know. Another uh, surreal video from New York City, a subway attack victim who got stomped on in a subway it has lost sight or was likely to lose sight in one of her eyes. Horrifying photos, lead photo in the New York Post this morning, by the way. And saying how scared she is. Elizabeth Gomez, 33, was dragged across the Howard Beach JFK Airport Station last Tuesday, reportedly kicked by a guy named Waheed Foster, a 41-year-old vagrant who's on parole. He'd previously beat his own grandmother to death, according to police. He was out beating a woman up some way. Allegedly. I got their allegedly in there. Eric Adams, meanwhile, was doing a press conference saying New York has a brand and Candace does, Kansas does not, insulting Kansas. So they, they don't like the American people. And Adams, who fancies himself a celebrity, looked pretty cool. He had aviators on. He had a good-looking suit. 
He had staged the photo, so there was a bunch of confident-looking young men behind him laughing at his jokes. Kansas doesn't have a brand. Ha, ha, ha. When you go there, okay, you're from Kansas, but New York has a brand. Well, New York's brand is becoming violence and filth. When I think of New York now, I think of piles and piles of trash in the street and violence. I also think of the horrible coronavirus lockdowns and super expensive place to go. So I, I don't know if New York's brand is quite as good as it once was. Other things that are on the Democrats' priority list is they want to uh, they want to change the name of the Atlanta Braves baseball team. Now, why would Braves be insulting to people? So Raphael Warnock, who's in a close way close race with uh, Herschel Walker out there, he won't weigh in on this. Stacey Abrams, who's losing badly to Governor Kemp at the moment in the polls, doesn't want to weigh in on this. The White House did weigh in on it, and they said it's important to have a conversation about changing the name of the Atlanta Braves. Karine Jean-Pierre really is something. that uh, She also suggested, by the way, with when the, uh, uh, it was the pipeline situation was brought up to her, she said it's another good reason to get an electric car. The fact that a pipeline that was already being you know, shut down was and blown up, so it'll be... Uh, unusable for a longer amount of time is suggesting you should do what Democrats say and not have fossil fuels. You should be able to plug in your hybrid, just not between the hours of three and eight if you're in California. But they, she said that of all the priorities, we should have a conversation about the Braves baseball team name. Okay. Meanwhile, seven in 10 Americans are searching for extra work due to surging inflation. I, I got to tell you, I'm putting on my thinking cap I'm putting on my thinking cap. How do you, because if you're going to, if you're going to get yourself, you can't just wait for your normal, you know, three to 5% raise, 7% raise, whatever you get in a good company. That's not going to keep up with inflation. And it's not, it might not be for a while. John Carney and I were writing in our Breitbart Business Digest yesterday about how we, we might've seen a little pause in inflation. Disinflation is the expression. And we might be seeing another surge in it. Home prices have dipped for the first time, I think, in about 12 years. And why is that? Because people have spent so much on interest rates. Um, interest rates hit 7%, which is the first time since before the... It should be, I believe, I, I meant to double-check this and didn't, but I imagine it's before the financial crisis that we saw interest rates at this level. And they're going to go up again. We're going to have another next Fed meeting. We're likely going to see another 75 basis point hike. Best Buy and Home Depot are now locking up their goods to fight theft, according to a Wall Street Journal report. It is so depressing to me. I was so struck, speaking of New York's brand, I remember I did a pretty interesting segment on radio about this when I was coming up to New York, which is technically the home base of the show, though a Series XM did not have a lot of people in the office during the pandemic, and that's kind of uh, continued. But I would routinely go up seven, eight times a year from D.C. up to New York, pre, pre-COVID-2. pre And it's noteworthy that you couldn't get certain types of chocolates from the CVSs and from the Dwayne Reed, which is another big drugstore chain, because I guess the anticipation was that people would sell them. People would sell the resale, the candy and stuff. 
So, but of course you can't get razors. And I have to say, I was in LA recently. I think it was over last winter and uh, holiday season. And I watched a guy walk into a grocery store at Century City Mall, which is a major mall out there. And just uh, take a couple packs of razors, put them in his backpack, walk out. Watch the store clerk pathetically yell at him. Literally say, why you always steal from us, man? Literally is what he said. And just watch him walk out. So Best Buy, Home Depot, locking up goods to fight theft. And why are they doing this? They make calculation that the bummer of having all the stuff behind lock and key and having to beg for someone's attention. I have to say, when I go to Best Buy, Home Depot is generally an okay experience. But when I go to Best Buy, which I do sometimes, I always feel like I have to beg for someone's attention. And apparently now that you're going to have to beg every time I'm going to get a bunch of different types of goods that can be locked up. Too much theft. We have a big moral decay going on in this country as we become more secular, more godless, and then we also have people a lot of going to be feeling the pinch financially. All right, here's some good news. The CDC drops universal masking recommendations for healthcare workers. This is personally good news for the Marlowe family because Mrs. Dr. Marlowe works in a healthcare facility. You know, has to wear a mask all day. And unless you want to be sneaky about it. So there are some people who still are burdened by this stuff. And so I think that's good news. I think that's basically the Biden administration has given up on solving the pandemic at this point. And so good. So let people be free. Let people decide what they want to do. You want to wear your triple N95 all the same time. No one's going to stop you from doing that. But allow the rest of us sane people to move on with our lives. And that medical people were burdened with this is another one of those anti-science things of the pandemic. Uh, I had to put a, 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 I had to, I had to watch this, do this stupid song and dance with the, the mask with my children. I was at a kid's dentist recently where, you know, they want the kids had the mask on um, in the lobby, which of course, Master Marlowe Jr. would not put on for a second. And Master Marlowe put on about one minute, started playing with it. And then he goes in and has his uh, mouth examined for 45 minutes, his mouth gaping wide open. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And uh, now it's going to end, hopefully. Hopefully. All right, another fun one. Donald Trump has been named by Golf Digest the best presidential golfer. And it's based on handicap, so this is USGA official and President Trump claims his handicap is 2.8. That's very low. 2.8 is very low. I've seen President Trump's golf swing. I have not played with him, though I was supposed to play with him right before he declared for his presidency for his uh, in 2015, I think. And then once he declared, I thought maybe it wasn't a good move to go play with him. But uh, we had a we had a day scheduled to play. It didn't happen. But anyway, uh, 2.8 handicap. That'd be that'd be incredibly low if that's true. Now, there might be uh, some creative scoring involved there, but his golf swing is really good. So I don't doubt that it's it's lower than any other president. But the Golf Digest also claims Joe Biden's handicap is 6.7. That means Joe Biden is shooting, is capable of shooting below his age. If Joe Biden was capable of shooting below his age, we would hear about it all the time from the media. That's a massive benchmark for we golfers. So 6.7 means Joe Biden should theoretically be uh, capable of shooting in the low to mid 70s and would probably average around, you know, 81, 82. Even though he's, you know, in his high 70s, 
that would be not just impressive. That would be uh, that would put him in the top fraction of a percent of golfers at that age. All right, eight six six ninety five Patriot. Last one. I can't resist at least one mention of Georgia Maloney out of Italy, who is not only saying all the right stuff. She is also getting uh, all of the right people are very upset with her. She, the White House is worried she may worry, she may worsen Joe Biden's European coalition. And apparently, YouTube has taken down that viral speech. I don't know why they did that, that I read from yesterday. And I think there's other examples of it still out that have been bootlegged, but apparently, it was taken down at least for a short amount of time which is kind of the whole point of the speech, is that the globalists want to control you. Remember, she talks about Menlo Park, which is where so much of big tech is located. She doesn't want Menlo Park controlling your lives. And then we learn that they're trying to memory hole as best they can her speeches. So hopefully that was fake news and it was always going to come back. Maybe it was some sort of mistake. But she represents something really big that could be a really big threat to the globalists. And that makes me happy. I got to say, it gives me a lot of hope. I think it could be could be some big international leadership opportunity there. Joe Concha has been one of the few people in the establishment media, though he sort of migrated over to Fox mostly full time, who has been reasonable to work with for us at Breitbart over the years. And uh, we've been able to get him to report on some stuff uh, accurately, which is which is nice. It's a uh, this is something that um, means a great deal when almost everything written about you is fake news, as we've experienced at Breitbart. Uh, Joe's one of the few guys who's written about us in a non fake news way. So but I've never talked to him on the air. And he does a great job. Someone who is a pro broadcaster, as I said in the opening, and he comes through the interview. Let's take a listen. Joe, it's good to connect with you on the air. I don't think we've ever spoken on air, though I know that um, we've gone back and forth online a number of times over the years. This is my debut on this huge show, then. This is big. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. You got a new book out. It's called Come On, Man, The Truth About Joe Biden's Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad presidency and i perused it and it seems to be very well written and um I, I think funny and i think you cover a lot of ground in it but i think most importantly you're the first i think person with i guess a right of center worldview i don't think of you as a hardcore right winger but a right of center worldview that's got a book out on biden so i think you're the first one there will be others but you get the first one and that's always a smart thing to do isn't that amazing how far are we into this presidency alex i mean i yeah. think it's what 21 months right and there's yeah. a whole campaign that went on for two years, and somehow I'm basically the first to, to talk about a president who's polling lower than any first-term president in polling history. You go all the way back to Harry S. Yeah. Truman, to Trump, no one lower. So therefore, I think there's ample material to work with, yet a little bit. I'm looking at the, the, the landscape, Alex. Fifteen books coming out on Donald Trump over the next five sure. weeks. And you're talking to the one author on the guy actually in power that has been written about with Come On Man. So that, that tells you all you need to know about media bias and uh, media profiting off the former president instead of scrutinizing the current president. 
So I've got, um, I wrote out about five or so questions in the, the fifth on my list is what's the media's role in this? But I will ask that first because I think you and I have a mutual interest in that subject matter. So let, let's go there. Uh, we know in this audience that Joe Biden, uh, things are not going great. And I want you to, we'll, we'll get it, we'll get to how badly things are going and your take on that in a moment. But, but let's skip ahead. The media's role in this, the media is really what makes this guy possible. Uh, but you've been thinking about this a lot for the last year. So think, so fill us in on your thinking. Sure. So when people look at the cover of the book, they'll see, come on, man, the truth about Joe Biden's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad presidency. And they'll think it's just about the Biden presidency. Uh, Sure, we analyze everything he's done to the economy, to inflation, uh, as far as crime is concerned, the border, which I know you talk about a lot, uh, as far as education going sideways and, and parents losing the rights that they should have. But overall, there is probably at least four or five chapters dedicated to the media alone as far as what you just described, putting this man into office by abandoning journalism, Alex, and going right to yeah. activism, right? right? And, and, and there was, there, we always hear about collusion so much in, over the last five years or so, but the real collusion was traditional media making sure that Joe Biden was elected by having town halls, for example, during the 2020 campaign, where you would have CNN and they would say, this is independent voters wanting answers from Joe Biden. And then you would see afterwards that seven Democrats asked questions of Biden from the audience, two Republicans did, and one hates Trump. So, you know, it, that, that's not really a fair fight. But, but one example that people will just shake their heads at, ABC town hall. And a guy gets up from Pennsylvania, and he's dubbed an independent voter. And he asks a question that's not even softball, Alex. It's more like T-ball, if you put like a beach sure. ball on the T. And, and afterwards, you know, I'm like, what was that guy's name? And, and I look it up, and a couple other people that were watching that town hall look it up, and it turns out that he was a speechwriter in the Obama-Biden administration. But ABC didn't vet that, right? And, and I could go on and on as far as traditional media making sure, okay, they only concentrate on Trump all that is negative. They don't scrutinize the guy who clearly has cognitive issues, who has a track record that is worth scrutinizing. They ignore that. So that's traditional media's role. Then social media, here's where the collusion comes in, and you've talked about this plenty as well, with Hunter Biden and that laptop and those contents a few weeks before an election. They suppress and censor accounts on Twitter and Facebook. Anybody shares the story, you're getting your account locked. And obviously, you have Parler, which was a social media up-and-comer as far as challenging Twitter. And then what happens? Apple and Google pull it from their app store. You can't get the thing. Amazon pulls it from their servers. Now they're offline, and before you know it, Parler is neutered. So collusion, traditional media, social media, and then right into the swamp as far as, for instance, 50 intelligence officers coming forward saying that Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinformation, and then the media and social media running with that narrative that everybody knew was BS. So that's the media role here as far as putting Joe Biden in as the 46th president. And without it, he ain't president, Alex. Yeah, I was just revisiting that last one for some of our reporting while we were talking about our My Son Hunter movie. And I just it's still amazing that that happened. And then that even people who live and breathe this stuff every day, we kind of forget about it because there's so many media scandals like they really did that. They really got 50 people to were former or current intelligence officers to say that the patently true Hunter Biden laptop was false. And then every other media outlet just like good stenographers 
copy and pasted that narrative and ran with it. And it's just amazing that that really happened in our country that's supposed to have free press. And yet, for some reason, we choose not to be free. We choose to make a decision to be the people who are just carrying water for the current administration. But now the chickens have come come home a little bit. The ratings are down for uh, most networks. Um, I think subscriptions are not in a good spot for a lot of the papers. And Joe Biden didn't seem to care about it. He's not communicating with the press. CNN seems to be very mad with him. Uh, do you find that to be darkly kind of funny how the people that put him in power are now bummed out because he's not communicating with them very much? That's ironic, right? They they declared when Joe Biden came in that this would be uh, a new dawn for the press, or a redawn anyway, where Donald Trump was so mean with his tweets and his rhetoric and just basically defending himself, saying, you guys are corrupt, you're covering me in a completely dishonest way, and they saw that as a threat to the press. Even though Donald Trump, and this isn't even an argument, this is fact, was the most accessible president in our history, and he only did it in four years. He had more press conferences, spoke more to the press, answered more questions than any president in history, and he only had half the time to do it when compared to his predecessors. And now with Joe Biden, you're right, it's so ironic that he goes 220 days without giving a TV interview, and they're like, wait a minute, where's our access? Well, the excuse they always throw out is like, well, at least we have Corrine Jean-Pierre speaking to you on a daily basis, which that's not speaking to anybody. That's reading from a binder, and half the time the answers aren't even to the question that is asked. But you even look at Biden this year. He's given two television news interviews, one at the Super Bowl or before the Super Bowl back in February, and then that one on 60 Minutes, that T-ball session with Scott Pelley. And what do those both have in common, Alex? Those were both pre-taped. What does that mean? That means they weren't live interviews. They were taped a few days beforehand, and you know what happens afterward. It's called post-production, where then everything can be massaged and homogenized. So if Biden does make a gaffe, if Scott Pelley does have to walk him through an answer, you're not going to see that part, are you? You're only going to see the finished product. And CBS and NBC made sure that you saw a halfway decent Biden. And then still, even after that, you had to have cleanups on aisles five and seven and nine, particularly when he said that the U.S. (laughs) military would engage China if they invade Taiwan. I believe we call that World War III. But he keeps saying it, and no one seems too concerned about it. Yeah, Joe Concha is with me. The book is Come On, Man. It is the first, I think, right of center-leaning examination of Joe Biden in book form, which is, uh, I think, uh, going to be worth your time if you choose to check it out. You see him on Fox and The Hill as well. So I've conceptualized Joe Biden's presidency as being a, centered around three promises that he was going to shut down the coronavirus. He's going to unify the country and he's going to have the economy roaring back. These are all stuff that he talked about. Uh, So let's take these in order. How's he doing on COVID-19? COVID-19, he did horribly in 2021. That we know. I mean, Donald Trump in 2020 had no vaccine. He kept saying, Trump did at the time, that we'll have one by the end of the year, which then fact checkers would say, no, that's impossible. They somehow time traveled into the future to show show Trump was wrong in saying a vaccine wouldn't come in 2020. And sure enough, it did in December of 2020. I would know. My wife got a a shot at that time. She was an ER doctor treating COVID patients on a daily basis. Uh, So then Biden promises, as you said, that he would, quote, stop, unquote, and control, unquote, the virus when he got into office, which is a lot like Alex's promise that he's going to cure cancer. Like, you can't say that about something that you truly cannot control. And sure enough, what happened in 2021? More people died of COVID than they did in 2020, despite having vaccines, despite having monoclonals, despite having treatments that we didn't have then, because he could not stop and control it. So on that front, 
F. Absolutely. Oh, and the testing you remember wow. before Christmas last year where there were no tests, right, when, when people needed them, and he was warned about it and didn't do anything about it anyway, or his handlers didn't do anything about it anyway. So F on that front, my friend. So I didn't know that your, your, your wife's a doctor. That's so interesting because mine is too, and that's it. It was it was very informative for me to cover the news and just see how bad the media was getting it when when I was hearing actually what was going on every day from you know, yeah. you know from, from 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 the literal front lines. So we have that in common. That's interesting. Okay, so the next thing, his next big promise. Well. <laughs> yeah, I I feel good about it. Everyone in the audience knows that it's almost like an inside joke with the audience. I talk about it too much, but that's all right. It's the, well, the free drugs we get alone are incredible, right? I just I mean, I, oh, just the free medical <laughs> advice plus the the, uh, the rampant abuse of prescriptions. No, of course, of course, it's a, that's a joke for any of you Soros funded freaks. No yeah, no, thank you. Media matters. All right, so um, uh, okay, but let's talk about the next one. His big promise to unify the country. So he's done a great job of that, right? Well, let's look at that speech from a couple of weeks ago, right? It looked like uh, you ever <laughs> see The Shining, you know, where the elevator opens and all Several the red blood starts coming out. That's right. That was basically right. the walls behind Biden during that speech in Philadelphia, where he called 74 million people who voted for Donald Trump extremists, a, a major threat to this country, uh, semi-fascist, which I didn't know there was like a Diet Coke of fascism, but apparently it exists. Well, you're not a fascist. <laughs> I'll call you a semi-fascist. That softens the blow a little bit, right, right yeah. Alex? So, yeah, between yeah, that and speech, remember, at the beginning of the year, where he was trying to federalize voting rights, take it away from the states, and he called anybody who opposed that, including members of his own party, Bull Connor and Jefferson Davis, if you opposed that. So he has been anything but a unifier, and this isn't Joe Concha's opinion. This is based on this president's own words. So, again, I hate to do this, hate to be Dean Wormer, but this is another F for the president on that front. Okay, then the last one, the economy is going to be roaring back. How's that going? Well, let's see. Uh, roaring backwards, uh, then, then he's correct. Uh, but even though the media refuses to admit this, we are in a recession because the traditional definition used by Paul Krugman and everybody else in media when it happened under a Republican president was if you had two straight quarters of the economy contracting of negative growth, therefore that is a recession. So it is not roaring back. Wages are not going up. And you see what's happening with inflation, which, no, Mr. President, it's not zero inflation right now. We're barely tickling up a little bit. No, no, no. We are at 8.5% inflation. That is the highest in 40 years. And people are suffering in terms of what they have to pay for food, gas prices going back up again, rent, electric bills, you name it. It ain't going well on that front, F as well. And again, this is based on numbers, not on Joe Concha's opinion. Yeah, it seems like it. And so let me ask you, was there anything that you researched when you were putting the book together where he even became, he even comes in lower than your expectations? Because I sometimes find that the more I dig into Biden and what he's all about and what he's done, sometimes I'm actually shocked at how bad things have gone. But it's a, you've been going deep dive. So what do you sure. think? Is there anything where he's really coming below expectations? Well, as a senator and even as vice president under Obama, you know, remember the deportations were pretty brisk under Obama, which made the left pretty unhappy. And then as a senator, he supported border security. He supported not necessarily a border wall, but at least a border fence, something, anything uh, to, to stop this flow. So I didn't really think that he was going to open the border. The way that he has, where I knew he'd stop wall construction, but the end remain in Mexico policy, right? And then when you say you're going to stop and control COVID like we just talked about and then allow 
something like we're approaching 5 million people coming into this country in the first two years of this presidency. Alex, that is the, the, the equivalent of the population of Ireland, all right, the entire country. And a lot of those people, almost all of them, aren't vaccinated. So, but still, he allowed all this to happen and continues to. And many people have some pretty good theories around why that may be happening, because at this point, it feels and seems intentional. Because when you see people walking across the border like they're going to 7-Eleven, you know, after a while, you say, hey, is this intentional? Uh, on that front, I thought at least he would resemble somewhat of the old Joe Biden. We're talking only six years ago, but, but sure enough, he is kowtowing to AOC and to the left and to the squad in, in allowing this to happen. So I guess, I, maybe I'm naive, I, I was a little bit surprised on that front, just how horrible the border has gone. Anything positive that surprised you? Anything where maybe things aren't quite as bad as you know, folks like me and conservative media make it seem? I, I wish I could come to some sort of issue and I say, yeah, he's doing that well. And I, I, I go down the list and I cannot find it. I really can't. You know, and, and if, if you want to give me a major issue, I can say, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's fine. But even like education, right? I got a first and a third grader. And I would think that this would be a person, a Joe Biden, who has kids himself who would say, yeah, you know what? Parents' rights are far more important than what the teachers union say your kids should be taught like parents should know what curriculum is and know we shouldn't be teaching kids about gender identification sexual orientation at my son's age six years old but sure enough it's happening and he's not standing up to them at all so i i wish i could tell you there's something that he's doing well or you know i'll find one i I, maybe maybe i guess ukraine has been armed and Russia has been held back as far as it's offensive, and does the U.S. have something to do with that, or is Ukraine just pissing away all our money that we're, that we're giving them because they're basically a corrupt country? Yeah. They always were. Uh, maybe that? I don't know, uh, but uh, that just could be accidental. Uh, I, I, I think you answer. found it. I think that's the only one. I think a worse president, I think he we would he, we could potentially be at war with Russia, and perhaps Russia could be you know, running rough shot over Europe right now. And I think that's yeah. it. And I, and I don't give him an A on that. I give him maybe a C or a C minus on that front because we're wasting much taxpayer money in the middle of a Biden inflation with no, no accountability. If we had accountability for where the money was going, I could maybe bump it up to a B, but that's the only thing where I'm not giving him an F and, and that's it. Like everything else, I'm giving him an F on everything. And that's pretty amazing because I've been, you know, thinking a lot about Biden as well. Uh, but one thing I am still on the fence on, Joe, and maybe you can help me with this. Okay. Uh, do you think some of what he do you think he really is being puppeteer that he really there's someone with his hand uh, up Joe's backside and they're moving his mouth with their hand? Or do you think some of his personality as he steers into his a clumsy avuncular stuff and he's really playing us to some degree and i haven't totally decided on this if he really is just a demented buffoon or if maybe he's a little more shrewd than we give him credit for do you have any thoughts oh boy i, I look at his work schedule every day because I, I try i like to judge people on their actions right instead of their rhetoric particularly politicians sure. so i don't care what party you come from and i look at yesterday for example right and again all these crises that we talked about and one thing you could say about donald trump you agree or disagree with him the man worked all right i mean it was yeah. it was nonstop. it was constant uh, with Joe Biden yesterday, his schedule had one item on it, 
one, mm-hmm. and it was at 145, and it was a 15-minute <laughs> speech written for him, of course, uh, on prescription drugs, and nothing yeah. before it and nothing after it. And then, you know, wow. sometimes people yell at me on Twitter, and they say, but that's only his public schedule. He's doing a lot behind the scenes. I'll BS. If he was meeting with somebody, you'd hear about it. So, and, and that's not just yesterday, and I'm cherry-picking something. You could go through his schedule on a daily basis, and it's one event, maybe two, if it has something to do with fundraising or campaigning over Zoom or something like that. But that, that's it. So I don't think that he, going into 80 years old, that he's aging well. Clearly, I just made the most obvious statement in the history of this program. Uh, and, and he's not putting in the work, which, which at least I could respect if he did to a certain uh, extent. But do I think he's being puppeteered? No, I think Joe Biden, you know, he was presented to us as a moderate. But he's yeah. never been a moderate. I, I, I don't right. really believe that because remember Obamacare? You never saw somebody so happy when that passed. And that was one of the biggest expansions of government in history. And he said, wow, this is a big effing deal. And any guy who spends trillions of dollars in the middle of a recession, in the middle of inflation, and wants to expand government the way he has, that tells me he is truly a left-wing ideologue, always has been. And now he actually, the problem is, when he was a senator, he was one of 100. Now he's president. Now he has real power. And now we're seeing what he wants to do to the country when he has real power. Joe Concha is on with me. The book is Come On, Man. It's out now. And I do really well. The Amazon charts. Congrats on that. And Thank let you. me, um, the last one for today is uh, where do we go from here? Uh, you assume we're at least going to get a Republican House. We don't know for sure. The Senate is um, more optimistic than most, but do the map. Maybe it's a 50 50 shot. Uh, what are we looking at here the next couple of years? I think you're looking at a GOP House. Just, and I look at history, right? And Bill Clinton was polling higher than Biden, and he lost 54 seats. And Barack Obama was polling higher than Biden, and he lost 63 seats. Republicans, even if they completely screwed us up, still only need to gain five seats. And with inflation and crime economy and border and everything we talked about going in the direction that it is, I don't even think they can screw this up. So they'll take back the House. I'm with you on that as far as the Senate. 50-50, a lot of races could go in a, a couple of different directions, but not as optimistic as them taking back control there. I don't know if that matters as much, because the House is where you could launch a bunch of investigations into things like Hunter Biden and the border. Uh, so from there, he's truly and completely lame duck, and he'll be convinced not to run. I think he's already basically opened the door to that in that 60 Minutes interview a couple of weeks ago. And probably in 2023, he'll say, you know what, I did my job. I got rid of Trump. I passed all these wonderful bills like the Inflation Reduction Act that doesn't reduce inflation and the Infrastructure Act that doesn't address infrastructure truly the way it should. So I I did a good job and I'm out of here. And then something like 28 Democrats will run for the Democratic nomination. I know this because in 2020, that was the number of people that ran for the nomination on that side. And then on on the Republican side, a lot of people will seek that nomination, whether Trump does or not, probably including Ron DeSantis. And you will have 2016 basically all over again with, let's put it this way, your show is going to do even better in the ratings. I I was going to say. I was going to say, you're making me smile because this would be so good for my show and so good for uh, for, for, for news coverage at Breitbart and, and at Fox as well on the Hill. Joe go. Concha, I got to run, but it's great to talk to you uh, and good luck with the, the rest of the way with the book. Come on, man, out now. Everyone should check it out. That's today's show. Zach Jones pulled double duty in for Greg Evan, Robert Marlowe, helped me pick topics and all of you who have watched My Son Hunter, share our content all over the social web, go to brightbird.com, share our content there, go to alexmarlow.com, you can follow all my socials, all that is great, and can't thank you enough, talk to you tomorrow.